All right, listeners, welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. And on this week, we're going to be talking about STEAM and STEM education in the classroom. Uh, I think it's so important that we prepare our students for the future, uh, even though that we don't necessarily know what that future is going to look like for them as far as the job force goes um, and, uh, you know, what routes they're actually going to go. I think we have to differentiate and personalize it for, for all students. So when I was at the, the academy, that, that was actually part of my project was – uh, how do we give these students lifelong skills so that they are ready uh, to go into the workforce or go to college or whatever they decide to do in the future? So, Stephanie, how are you and your team there helping teachers get ready to prepare students for the future? Um, so, I think with the C's, so using the four C's, we have five in our district. So, uh, let's see if I can even name them. It is critical thinking. Uh, being creative, uh, collaboration, connecting with others, so that connectedness, and which one am I missing? Do you know? <laughs> I, I don't know your district. I'm sorry. I apologize. I forget the other one because I, I'm going to rename all the other four. But using those C's to, you know, really help in the learning. So we use blended learning in our school district. And one of the stations is always a 5C station and it has different activities for students. So that could be, you know, like a breakout game where students are using their um, group work and they're collaborating with each other to use their critical thinking to break out of the lockbox. Um, another activity might be where they're creating infographics to explain a very difficult topic that might not make sense to another student or another class. Um, and it allows students to work together. And I also think when I think of that station, it's hands-on. There is tech, but they're using tech in a different way. It's not where they're learning from tech, they're using it to produce something from whatever they're doing to create. They're working with others to problem solve. And it's also very engaging that station. Like kids love going to that station because it's fun. They're working with others and they're just so excited and they're really learning about those lifelong skills. How have you been using it? So, so one thing that you pointed out there was, um, you know, the connections. And I think that that's sometimes something that we're missing right now in education. Uh, and it may be different up in Ohio than it is Tennessee. But, but our kids, uh, they're, they're on their phones all the time. And I make fun of uh, a lot of the kids that I'm around. I'm like, what do you do? Go out to eat together and text each other and not talk while you're sitting at the table? Uh, so, so it's really important, I feel like, that we've got to teach these, these students skills of communication, number one. That's kind of a lost art. Uh, you know, how to actually write a formal email or a formal, formal text or how to actually talk to one another, uh, you know, either through the computer or, you know, the other day we were talking about video chatting. When we were, I was telling them about the podcast and stuff they're doing. And they're like, you can see each other while you're talking to each other. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I said, it really helps to be able to do that. And they're like, I would never do that. But of course they send their 10,000 Snapchats, uh, you know, making their duck lips and everything. So there's, there's a lot of communication skills we've got to, got to work on there. Uh, creativity, uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we keep creativity in there uh, because the creative minds and uh, the aspiring minds to, to do things differently is how we're going to come up with new ideas. Uh, and then critical thinking. Um, I'm, I'm one that believes that critical thinking really has never left us. It's, it's always been there. We just now have a different tool 
that that we're trying to do that with. So I don't, what was the fourth C that I missed there, Stephanie? Oh gosh, um, critical thinking, you said creativity, collaboration, you said that, right? Yes. Connectedness. And what one are we missing? No worries, Steve. Communication. <laughs> Collaboration, connection, and communication. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Which you covered. Which I covered. I got them all. And so they all kind of go together. They do. But I think with um, connectedness for our district, what that means is connecting with another district or another place outside of Pickerington and really building that connection with people. And for me at the Google Innovator Academy, that really stretched me because I was working with people from New Zealand, people from Australia that, you know, I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity, but with technology now, we're so able to connect with people. And so one of my favorite activities in the classroom is Mystery Skype, where the students play 20 questions and they have to figure out where that school or that um, person is located at. The only thing with Mystery Skype that I hate is scheduling those classroom visits because of time zones drive me crazy. I believe, I believe we've seen that you struggle with time zones. Stephanie. I do. I yes. do. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and I agree. Uh, you know, I have got a global audience now that I can reach out to, uh, to gain ideas from. Uh, and that brings us to our guest that we have here tonight. Uh, one of my good friends now, uh, one of, one of my New Zealand friends that I met while we were in Sydney, Australia, uh, he and I, we kept running into each other. Uh, we kept bouncing ideas off each other because our projects kind of kept running together. So tonight we have with us Steve Smith. He is from New Zealand. He's a Google uh, level certified teacher one, uh, level two. He's a Google certified trainer, and he was in the Sydney 19 Innovator Academy. So you've ran the gabbit there. He is also uh, the head of innovation at his uh faculty and he teaches geography and social studies at his school so steve thank you for being on the show with us tonight hey no it's absolutely a pleasure to be able to talk to you guys i'll uh, try and talk slowly so you can understand me way over there as well all right well thank you we appreciate that so so with both of our innovator uh, projects as they were like i said they kept running together uh you know we were we were kind of look at uh maybe those kids that necessarily didn't fit the cookie cutter uh, so, so what are you? What's your STEM and STEAM identifications that you're you're trying to use to to help those kids that aren't those cookie cutter kids? Yeah, sure. So, um, in the in the Innovator Academy, they ask you to uh, come up with a big question or, or a project. And mine was around you know looking at kids at school. There's there's so many kids that we prepare for university. So about you know eighty five to ninety percent of our students go to university and. Um, I was kind of looking at those other kids that, that it's not for them. And what, what do we do for them? They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff at home. They're, you know, they're, they're coding, they're, they're making apps, they're building websites. One of the students in my class actually built an app for our school without the school knowing. Um, wow. And I, I kind of felt, you know, we're not really helping those kids. And, and my big passion as an educator is to help every kid. And so I thought, well, I need to do something that means those kids that are not necessarily going to go to university, what can I do to help them be a success? Because at the moment they are, and they're kind of being a success, not because of us, um, just sort of on the sideline. And so my big, big question was how could we incubate and empower those students to be successful in their futures? So that's sort of where Mike came from. It was about, you know, the kids that didn't quite fit in, the kids that weren't necessarily going to be book smart, for instance, but were going to be successes. 
How can we help them? And Steve, if I remember correctly, you're talking about the app your kid built. Didn't you say that your school had an app built too, but nobody liked it and they were using the, the one that the student made? Yeah, so we had a we had a, an, like a, the official school app that was um, that was fairly basic, and one of our kids just built it on GitHub and was kind of sharing the link with, with a few kids, mainly about getting their timetable really easily, um, being able to find information really easily, and it sort of grew and grew and grew, and then you know one day I kind of went, hey, what's that? And they they showed me, I went, that's awesome, I want to use that. So it kind of grew and grew and grew, and then it became like our sort of semi-official school app, I guess, and. And now there's things like your know, bus timetables and how full this bus is and, and chats amongst the students and loads of information going out. So it just grew. And that sort of kid is the sort of one that, you know, we're not really doing anything for them. And so how can I do stuff to bring those kids out, get them together and also get them to work together and collaborate on projects. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking about with those kids. Yeah. And I, I think that it was probably as successful as it was because you had a student who built it and the students are the end users so they know what the problems are they know what they need to know they need to know the information they're not getting uh yeah, yeah, so, exactly. so the fact that so the fact that they made it themselves uh they troubleshoot was troubleshooting it all all along the way and, and got it exactly the way that they needed it yeah yeah definitely i mean at the at the academy we looked at you know the design thinking process and that's something that i'm really keen to help kids work through and thinking about design thinking you know when, when we, as, a, as an institution, looked at the app, there was no empathy. There was no empathizing, going out, finding out what our end user needed. So we kind of did what we thought they needed. Um, and then what they came up with was something completely different. And we're like, wow, okay. So we kind of missed that point of finding out what our end user wanted, you know, the first step of design thinking. So it was a really interesting, interesting project to look at and something that I can reflect back on and go, you know, could we have done better there? Could we have been a part of that, that solution perhaps? Yeah, and I liked how you said like that kid, you know, took ownership of that project. I know for us, we did a couple prodigy tournaments. It's like a math game that kids can play. Yeah. yeah. If I led the tournament, students weren't into it. But as soon as I gave it to the kids to run and they created commercials, they came up with all the advertisement ideas. They were yeah, yeah. the homeroom leads. All those kids were involved with this tournament and they were answering over like a thousand questions a week in math. Yeah. Wow. And it's because they were in charge of it. And I stepped down and said, they're going to do it. And they did it way better than I ever could have. Well, that's it. And I think, you know, if we think about, um, you know, Lance was, was touching on before, you know, being creators of content, not just consumers, you know, those kids are creating that thing that they want. And so of course it's far more authentic. And so, you know, if you give it over to them and then if we as educators can, can kind of step back and, and give up that power and, you know, give, give the kids the power to co-construct what's happening. As you say, Stephanie, you know, it's, it's so much more powerful and so much more successful, you know? Mm -hmm. And Steve, I don't know about uh, there in New Zealand, but here in the States now, in order to be what you would consider successful as an adult, um, you no longer have to go to the university. Uh, there, there's uh, so many trades and so many things that you can do a lot of the a lot of the students that I've had in the past that never went to college are now better off than I am. Oh, definitely. I mean, and and again, you know, this at our school we are a fairly traditional school, and yeah, as I said, you know, eighty five, ninety five percent of our kids go to university, but the other ones don't. But but also, you know, around where we are, we have lots of emerging tech firms because you know we're quite a small nation, and so we have it's easy to incubate tech firms down here. And I, I had a conversation with a guy who. Um, 
told me quite humbly that he was making cameras. Um, and it came out that he was actually making facial recognition software for hospitals to open doors, depending on who's walking through that door. He left school when he was 14, hated school. Um, and his company last year turned over just shy of a hundred million US dollars. Wow. So, you know, these kids are leaving school with these skills that we need to incubate and we need to empower. So I guess that's where it came from for me, you know? Yeah. So, so I think you're kind of seeing the same thing that, that I was seeing. And that's kind of why we kind of went down the same track is mm-hmm. we had all those kids that we weren't servicing well in school and yeah, yeah. they didn't like school because the, the school didn't meet their needs. Uh, so, so we needed to take the skill set that they had and find a way, as you said, to incubate it, incubate it so that they can grow it. Uh, we would probably keep them in school a little longer too, which would help us, but we could foster that environment then so that they could, you know, be creative and grow their product that they're going to use. Oh, definitely. I mean, I have a, a, um, a 3d design and print group. Um, and I've got, kids who are 17, 18 years old, learning from kids who are 14 and 15. You know, I have one student who is currently, um, he wants to convert his bicycle into an, an e-bike, so an, an electric bike. So he's designing and 3D, 3D printing all the pieces. So it's like, so we're letting him teach kids older than him, but also learn from kids who have different skills from him. So it's about the, the students working together as well and collaborating. Yeah, just you know, you give them the space to do that, and um, and it's amazing what comes out of it. Excellent. So, Steve, uh, where where are you at in the process of your project right now? Okay, so um, we are well, how how far are we? About fifteen weeks or so, and I think um, is it that far? I can't remember how far we're now. But um, yeah, so I've got I'm basically looking at getting getting groups of kids together and offering them a whole lot of stuff. So. Um, we have um, we have an art lab, so kids who are into art but they want to do different art than we can do at school, for instance. We're doing that. They're doing a big lighting project at the moment, so I'm making uh, light installations. I have my 3D print group. We have a, a bunch of girls who are getting together, and we've got a girls' coding group um, because it's it's one of those things that you know we, we need to get girls into the into the STEAM and STEM, and um, allowing them to have female um, heroes to to look up to is is pretty cool. So we got a bunch of that. Um, and we're actually just, we've just entered a bridge building competition where I've got, um, a, two teams of four and they have a brief to build a bridge and they got a, a bunch of stuff. And, uh, in about five weeks time, we're going to head along to a big judging here with about 35 different teams. Um, and they judge their bridge. So at the moment, I'm all about kind of getting kids out of class into a, a kind of a innovation space we've got and, um, allowing them time to play and work together. So that's where I'm at. I'm, um, I'm building groups, I'm incubating kids, and I'm finding more kids all the time, you know. I'm at the point now where kids are coming up to me going, hey, you're that guy that does that thing. How, how do I get involved with that? And so I think it, it's quite cool now that's starting to happen for me. So, so what about your, uh, let's say traditional teachers, your, uh, your teachers of your math, your sciences, your Englishes, uh, are, are they embracing this culture or are you getting any pushback from those guys? Yeah, so I mean, it's been really good so far. I've I've kind of got permission from everyone to borrow kids every now and then, um, because the big thing for me is it needs to be in school time. It can't be an after school club. It can't be you know at lunch time because that's another barrier. So, but but what I'm trying to do is like not take the same kid out of the same class because we have a ten day timetable. So I'll kind of stagger when we're gonna when I'm gonna see them, and it might mean that once a term a kid misses your class because it's a big thing. You know, as a teacher, you don't want to miss out on on what they're doing because 
for you and your class, that's super important. So it's about kind of managing that as well to make sure that I don't get a pushback. But at the moment, everything's pretty good. All right. So Steve, uh, you know, I, I feel like when I applied to the academy, um, I, I didn't didn't feel like my chances were really good at getting in. Um, you know, I've applied once before. I don't know how you and Stephanie felt uh, about it. What what advice do you have for, for those people out there that are thinking about applying to be a, a Google innovator? Okay, cool. I mean, I think I I kind of came up with this idea and I went, you know what, that would be awesome for, for Innovator. Um, and I, so I had that idea of a project and I think if you've got an idea of a project, just apply, just do it. You know, just feel the fear and just do it anyway because what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, you get knocked back and you try again. I've heard about people trying, you know, multiple times. And I think if you have an idea that fits with the Innovator mindset, then just apply, get it done. I think the hardest bit for me was the one minute video trying to say why I should be a part of this. Um, and you know, writing things down is easy, but actually putting yourself out there is scary. And I think, you know, saying, saying actually I'm really good is quite hard for a lot of people, but I think you need to just do it. You need to get in there. You need to apply because you never know what might happen. You might get accepted and you could have an amazing experience and meet some pretty cool people um, and kind of grow your people, you know? So we're going to go to the meme and quote section. Steve, what is your meme or quote for this week? Okay, so uh, my one is a, um, a geography-based one. Uh, it's uh, my Darth Vader saying, I find your lack of geography disturbing. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive Star Wars geek. I love it. I love the fact that my boys are old enough now to watch Star Wars with me. It's pretty cool. And I think people who um, have a lack of geography hurts me as a geography teacher. So, I mean, that's mine. That's uh there are some people that I look at and I think, are you seriously kidding me? You don't know where that is or you don't even know that that's a country? Yeah, okay. It's, the, it's like the one that people say, that country of Africa. Oh, no, please don't say that. <laughs> and yeah, you, so did a, you did a kind of a cool project where you sent out a tweet asking where people were from. Oh, yeah. To show your class, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So that was, um, I teach uh, IB Geography, which is International Baccalaureate. So um one of the things is looking at globalization. Yeah, I sent a tweet out and it was, uh, it was retweeted by a bunch of, bunch of pretty cool geography teachers and I got, got back a couple of hundred replies from all over the world. Um, and the tweet was seen just over 15,000 times. Um, and so I showed that to my class and said, look, look at the power of, of, of what we can do with technology now to connect. So that was pretty cool, yeah. Mm -hmm, that was really cool to see. <laughs> um, so my quote or meme for the day is, one does not simply pass a geography exam without coloring pencils. And that was so true back when I was a student, <laughs> but now yeah. you have technology and kids can do so much with Google Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, National Geographic has a map that I just found out about this past week. That's oh, that cool. is awesome, yeah. Yeah, and I've never seen that before. And it's like, why are we still using colored pencils when we have all this technology that you could oh, use to make it more um, interactive for students. <laughs> yeah, but inter but interestingly, uh, I, I love coloring pencils, sometimes crayons. You know, if I, I teach, you know, high school kids, and if I, if I give a 17-year-old kid a bunch of crayons and tell them to draw something, oh, my God, they love it. They absolutely love it. Because I guess it's going back to pen and paper, you know, and sometimes they say, can't we just have a, a period where we draw things? So, you know, you never underestimate the power of a coloring pencil, man. That's yeah. true. That's true. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm going to give Stephanie one week off from, from her movies. So uh, this, this week I went with a quote, steam, 
Uh, it's art in action. So I, I feel like that a lot of times that when we think about STEM, we leave the art out, but we, even when we yeah. throw steam in there, the A in there for the arts, uh, we, we still focus a lot on the, the math and the science, but I think we got to, we got to start thinking about the art side of that because that's where the creativity comes from. And okay. you don't necessarily have to be great at, at, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math in order to be able to create something and it'd be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you put people with those different skills in one place and you, you produce some pretty cool stuff. Love that. Um, so Steve, what's something you've learned this week that you can help others or show others that might help them be more innovative? Yeah. And interestingly, I think, you know, thinking about that, that tweet we, we talked about before, I think the power of, of your PLN, of your, your personal learning network or your professional learning network it is so powerful being able to connect with people. Um, and I think that was something that came out of innovator as well is being able to connect with like-minded people that you can have a really great discussion with is so important. And so I, I guess the power of using different tools to grow your learning network is super important. I think you know, find your people and connect with them. And um, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah, that's true. Um, so my idea for this week is Matt Miller created a post a couple months ago and it's on virtual field trips. So it's actually taking a kid, they go to Google earth or Google maps and they're going through the different place and they're explaining it while they're using screencastify and we've done this in the class and the kids love it and it's so cool to hear their voice as they're explaining those different locations and this week i went with uh vex robots uh this is this is something that we picked up in the last year in our school district uh but vex allows you to construct and, and build uh robots any way that you want to and then you can program them, put motors on them, things like that. So I, li- I kind of like the open end of X so that the, the kids can build, you know, structures and things just like they want to. Yeah, totally. We've, um, we've got a, a robotics club uh, and they're, they're using VEX quite a lot. And, um, and weirdly, my, my, I've kind of collaborated with them. And so now they're, they're designing pieces, 3D printing them and going back and changing their robots again. So um, you can't even go the next step after that. You, you know, and isn't that amazing with 3D printers now, how, uh, you know, you break a part or you need a part, you didn't have enough parts, yeah. you no longer have to buy it. You just print right, it and you're ready to go. Yeah, that's it. And again, you know, that, that's rapid fabrication is, is part of, of the new technology. It's part of the new um, fa- factories out there is chuck some in the printer, come back the next day. Is it good? Yep, let's do it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Get Inspired and Innovate. Steve, how can people connect with you? Um, so I guess Twitter is probably the easiest with me. I'm uh, at crispy underscore Smith. Um, yeah, hit me up with a with a, a question if you want. I'm 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 one of those kids connected to their phone the whole time, so I'm pretty good at getting back. So yeah, um, Twitter is the best way for me, uh, and we can we can have a chat if you want to. All right, thank you, thank you so much for listening to Get Inspired and Innovate. We hope you've had a great time listening and how you can use different tools like STEM in your classroom or STEAM in your classroom. And to check out the show notes, it is at getinspiredandinnovate.com. And feel free to reach out to us. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.